At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Hey, it's Kristen. Happy New Year. This week, we are going to be revisiting another favorite episode from last year. And for anyone who's counting, I will fess up. We said we would be back with a new recipe this week, but we're going to need a little bit more time to put together the whole next new Genius Recipe bundle. It's going to be a good one. But the thing is, I bet you missed this recipe last time around. Because this was the most overlooked recipe of the year, and I can only blame myself. I ran it in June for some reason when a lot of people were more interested in things like ice cream and, I don't know, water skiing than figuring out how to make their 100% whole grain pancakes more delicious. But this recipe from Josie Baker has completely changed how I make pancakes and how I think about experimenting with whole grain flours, and I think that we have finally reached its peak season. I hope that you enjoy hearing more from Josie himself and that a tall stack is in your future. Talk to you next week. Hi, I'm Kristen McGlory, lifelong genius hunter. For almost a decade, I've been unearthing the recipes that have changed the way we cook. Now on the Genius Recipe Tapes, we go behind the scenes with the geniuses themselves. And we get to hear from you. This week, I'm talking with Josie Baker, the founder of Josie Baker Bread and the author of the cookbook by the same name. This week's genius recipe, a 100% whole wheat pancake with a brilliant trick that makes it taste as good as your favorite buttermilk pancake recipe, didn't come from his cookbook, though. Josie first shared it in an Instagram post early in the pandemic, when all-purpose flour was scarce and all of us cooking at home were starting to get a lot more experimental and work with what we could get. Whole grain flours were much easier to find. You just had to know what to do with them. But this recipe and its trick have stuck with me ever since. And I think it'll stick with you too. For all the moments that you just want to eat more whole grains or you want your pancakes to come with their own nutty flavor to bounce off of maple and salted butter or berries and sour cream. In this episode, we'll get to hear more from Josie about where whole grain flours get their bad rap. The simple science behind getting whole wheat pancakes to not taste like health food and also a decent amount of two-parent strategizing about combating picky eating in our kids. Which is actually what inspired Josie to make this recipe. Let's start there. His discerning palate did not appreciate the, the graininess <laughs> and um, all the seeds and stuff. So, you know, we make a, a griddle cake mix that is a blend of whole grains, wheat, rye, oat, and a bunch of different seeds. And, you know, I've really tried to get him to like those over the years. And no matter what, he was like, not into it. He preferred just, you know, white flour, traditional pancakes. And so over, 
the course of the pandemic, what I did was I, um, you know, started out making those, you know, all purpose flour pancakes and you know, I pulled out all the seeds, pulled out all the whole grains, which you left with, you left with the white flour, um, pancake, which is what most people are used to. And then slowly and surely I started incorporating the whole wheat into it until eventually it was all whole wheat and he still liked them. <laughs> that feeling as a parent, um, I have a two-year-old and that feeling where you get something like past the goalie with them, oh. like, <laughs> um, where they actually still like the thing is just the, the most, like the deepest sense of triumph, especially when you really care about, about, you know, food and love food and you want them to love it too. I get it. Totally. I know it's, it's, um, um, oh great. Now my Adobe flash pet player is, uh, <laughs> updating. Let me see what I can do here. Not now Adobe. Ah, you're, ah, you're gone Adobe. <laughs> um, yeah, I know what you mean. And when it happens, I don't know what your experience is, but it happens and it's kind of like, you know, kind of, cause sometimes I like you sneak it in. Right. And it's like, mm -hmm. and they eat it and you're just kind of like, are they going to notice? <laughs> yeah. They don't know. <laughs> Psychodrama. <laughs> so, what do you think about that? Son? It's good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm glad you can, we can relate about that. I know. Yeah. Uh, happily we're in a phase where she's actually trying more stuff which she was in a super picky phase maybe two three months ago and she's yeah. like so I really I really appreciate the moments where she picks up a carrot puts it in and is just like that carrot yummy and I'm like, yes I know wow good what do you think changed uh, I don't know I I mean I've I've honestly studied this picky eating stuff since well before I had a kid because I just I grew up pretty picky and then I came to food um, later on and just really fell in love with cooking and everything and and then I have a couple like um, close loved ones who have remained extremely extremely picky to this day even you know into their huh. 30s and 40s so um, I when I was in grad school I just really was fascinated by it and like what makes certain people um you know have more aversions and what people what makes some people just love everything and um mm. so I don't know I've been trying now my my daughter's my science experiment with it like to test all of these things that I um I read about like both psychological and physiological um so mm. I I can't tell if it's like some of the things that I was trying to do all along um, are now kind of working or if it's just has nothing to do with me and she's just like feeling adventurous. I feel like it's probably the latter. <laughs> There's so much mystery involved, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm yeah. taking it. And like in this moment, I'm trying to run with it and just be like, look at me, I'm chopping a fennel. Do you want to try it? And she just stuffs it in her mouth. Like that's, this is my moment that I'm get it in I'm, there, you know, because next week it's probably not going to be that way anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can relate to all of those things. So that's great that that she's in a more open experimental phase. Um, yeah, capitalize capitalize on that. Yeah, get the fennel in there. Yeah. What's um like? What's your son's trajectory been like? Um, he, you know, I think he was kind of he's like on the picky end of the spectrum for a while, and still is. I mean, I think most kids, maybe most people, if we don't know something we're like a little hesitant, a little skeptical, a little critical, right? Which a lot of the times that's a healthy response. Um, and I think, 
Yeah, he he was no exception to that. Um, and so, you know, what we really tried to do is basically re- repeated exposure to mm-hmm. new things. And so like, okay, make sure that 75% of his meal is something that he knows, something that he will eat. And then, you know, 25, maybe 30% are new things that like, we don't really expect him to eat very, to like, or to eat very much of for the first handful of times they show up. But like, you know, you always got to take bites of things. You don't need to eat it all. Like the point is just to try stuff. And, you know, over time it's slow, but like, I mean, over time, I think at least with him, he's, he's gotten like a little more trusting of us Mm -hmm. and that we're not going to feed him something totally disgusting, but it holds true that like the first time he sees something, even if I'm like, this is just sugar, this is all (laughs) sugar. You're going to love it. He's like, no way. I'm not trying that candy bar. If you own okay i'm gonna give it to you tomorrow <laughs> one of these days you're gonna try and you realize i'm actually being very cool right now i'm trying to yeah. give you something you actually are gonna love you're gonna try it and it's something that he ends up hating you know uh, so, it sticks, sticks. Yes. yeah <laughs> well yeah if, if you do it enough with the candy bars maybe he'll start to realize like oh this could be the jackpot this time one would think so yeah <laughs> hope so <laughs> Hey, it's Kristen. If you're enjoying this chat with Josie as much as I did, head over to the Genius Recipe Tapes and hit subscribe so you don't miss out on other conversations like this one. Like my recent interview with Dan Pashman of the podcast The Sporkful about his quest to invent a genius pasta shape and document the story at the same time. In the second half of the episode, Josie is going to tell us about the simple science behind the genius trick in this recipe, why whole grain baked goods get a bad rap, and the real power of baking beyond just tasting good. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beat in cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great in clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beat in cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great in clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. So as you were doing that, like, gradual increasing of the whole wheat flour in the pancakes, when did the soaking overnight come into play? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so by doing the overnight soak, you allow the whole wheat flour to fully hydrate with uh, the milk. And also due to some enzymatic activity, you make more of the sugars available, which leads to more caramelization in the... Uh, cooking process. And what it yields is a pancake that is actually a little bit sweeter. Um, And also in texture, it's sort of smoother and creamier because the whole wheat flour has, has been fully hydrated by that longer amount of time. 
Hmm. So does that actually kind of allow you to use a little less sugar in the batter maybe because the wheat itself is bringing its own sweetness? Yeah, absolutely. It's a little more well-rounded and, um, you know, you can see in the, in the color of it as well, it, it, co- it colors up a bit more beautifully, which, you know, your five-year-old kid probably doesn't really care about, but um, they might. Any, any little edge you can get on them is <laughs> worth exploring. You know, I think it also has the added benefit, and this rings true for, for the way we do things in the bakery, which is, you know, if you can do stuff ahead of time, it makes it quicker the next morning which, you know, for, for all of our bread in the bakery, we do this primarily for, um, for the reason that it makes the bread better, but it also is convenient to our schedule, you know, so we like mix up the dough in the morning and then we shake it, shape it into loaves in the afternoon and then we bake it the next morning. So depending on where you start the process, it's like a 24 to 48 hour process, but also that allows us to, in the morning, we take the shaped loaves and we put them in the oven and we have baked bread an hour later. And so, you know, being a, mm-hmm. being a parent, working parent, and, you know, sometimes I'm always sort of looking for like, how can I make, how can I buy myself flexibility and like buy myself time, right? And so by mixing it the night before, it's like, okay, when it comes time to make breakfast, because it's mixed the night before, give me 10 minutes. They're going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be on, on the table. And so I think it's a really practical move that is like, kind of, it just, it's the only thing it takes is planning. Right. And so mm-hmm. if you fail to do that, or if you decide not to do that and you, you can totally make them the morning of, they'll still be delicious. Um, you know, it'll just mm-hmm. take a little longer. And I think if you, if, if I, I doubt the kids would notice, but if you did a side-by-side comparison and you were really paying attention, you, you'd probably notice that um, they're not not quite as good. I mean, the truth is with pancakes, you know, you're not just eating the pancake plain like you sometimes are with bread. You're covering the pancake in butter, maybe peanut butter if you're a real freak, maybe <laughs> maybe maple syrup and berries and honey and whipped cream. And so, you know, it's it, it's not as noticeable, but I, I, I do contend that um, the best pancake, um, best whole grain pancake is uh, mixed at least the night before, or at least like eight to 12 hours before Mm -hmm. it's actually turned into a pancake. It's so interesting that you said a side-by-side test because I did, this is one of the recipes that I really did kind of geek out. And like, I just was really curious, like side-by-side what the, what the difference would be. And I have to say, I have to give credit to Kenji Lopez-All who, you know, did the food lab forever at Serious Eats. Um, you know, when I've reached out to him to be like, what's going on here? It was it, specifically I'm thinking of a recipe where you instead of whipping the egg whites and folding them in at the end, you just stir in unwhipped egg whites and it still gives the pancakes some mm. extra lift. Um, and so I asked him what was going on and he was mm. like, well, did you do it side by side? And I was like, no, man. I, OK, <laughs> I'll. And so that's what I whenever there's now um, a technique that is so clearly like a way that I've never seen it before, it would be really easy to do an A-B test. I'm saying it makes a difference and I need to really be able to back it up. I yeah. do an A-B test. And so with this one, absolutely, I I, di- I did it side by side. And you're absolutely right. It, 
Um, the the ones where it was it was baked off right away were um, they were great. The ones where it was baked off the day after, or I guess I should say, I mixed half of the batch the night before. I mixed half of the batch in the morning and did those side by side, and you just like feel the flour more. It hasn't like absorbed in as much. It's a little bit drier, a little bit. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm, spe- I'm like preaching to the choir here. You know exactly what whole grain flour does. But the thing that happened with the um, the soaked ones was it just like it, it basically became like buttermilk pancakes, but with more flavor. It, it was so tender, so um, just not pasty and, and mealy and dry whatsoever. And like you said, with pancakes, you're going to be able to compensate no matter what happens. I think it's so cool that you did all that stuff. Bravo. Um, Thanks. Yeah, no, no. I just like pancakes too. Yeah, could be worse, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I tried to strike a balance, um, and so I always try to think like, okay, let me like get my head out of my bakery and into, you know, a parent or non-parent in their home making this stuff, and like, and with this recipe, you know we weren't making these in my bakery. So like I was making them at home for my family on the regular. And, um, you know, so it was, it was a good, a good test of these things. And I love, I love buttermilk pancakes. And one version of this did have buttermilk and then we ran out of buttermilk. And I was like, you know what, how many people have buttermilk Mm -hmm. in their fridge? not that many and like you know if you if you're like a little adventurous or a little experimental you kind of know like well if I don't have buttermilk I'll use milk right or I'll use soy milk or I'll water down some yogurt if I happen to have it right but I said uh, you know Mm -hmm. that feels like one of those things that's like it's making it a little harder and it doesn't I, I I think it does make it a little bit better, but it didn't feel worth it to me to like kind of make make the the recipe like a little less accessible. It's already a little bit of stretch to say we're going to make whole wheat pancakes, right? Because of the bad rap that whole wheat has. And so I decided to kind of like let's just strip this down and have it like just really focus on the fact that it's whole wheat and kind of try, try to make everything else as easy as possible with like, you know, yeah, if you want to make them sourdough, you can. Cause like, again, a lot more people have sourdough starters than they did before the pandemic. You don't need to, right. If you want to mix them the night before you can, it, it'll make them really good. You don't need to. I just want to, I want people to try making this recipe. And I feel like every one of those things that you insert, whether it's like a complicated technique or, a piece of equipment that not many people have or an ingredient that like you, you know, that the vast majority of people aren't going to have. And so they're going to go get it just for this. And then it's like, then you got three quarters of a cup of buttermilk in your fridge. And, you know, two months later you realize, I mean, buttermilk keeps really well, but you know, you realize that it's gone off. Um, so that was, that was kind of my reasoning there. Thank you for going on this journey with me. Thank you for going on this journey with me. <laughs> I, I'm, I don't know if this is relevant, but this is like what the most relevant thing is for me these days is, um, you know, the really the, the truth that 
you know, baking and bread is really just like a, a very meaningful and, you know, time honored um, craft and tradition that to me is intrinsically about love between people and community and relationships. And, um, you know, I feel, uh, you know, I really have enjoyed and appreciated bread for the, the, the science and the creativity and the craft and the technique involved. But I think the most fulfilling thing to me about my experience with, with bread and baking has been the, um, the bonds that it has encouraged me to form with, with other people, you know, and that's the staff in my bakery. Those are the customers who come into our store and, you know, love our bread. Those are the farmers that we work with who grow our grain. Those are the chefs who use our bread in their restaurants. Um, those are all of you here involved today in this, in this podcast. And I, I just feel so, so fortunate. And I think that, you know, I, sh I share that with the hope that, you know, maybe, maybe it can help reach like just another few people, which is not, <clears throat> In this regard, it's not about the pancakes. It's not about the bread. It's about um, it's about relationships with other people, which to me is one of the most important things as a human. So, thank you so much for that reminder. It's so true. It I, we get so caught up in the technique and and the flavor and the texture and all these these things, but in the end, you're serving them to your family or your friends. Um, we're getting, yeah, you're getting to talk about it with your friends, maybe who mm -hmm. aren't near enough by to eat the pancakes, but you get to tell them about how great the pancakes are that you made and they'll make them for their family. And on and on it goes. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> and now here are some crafty ingredient swaps from you. Hi, I'm Sana, calling from Brooklyn, and this year I tried yogurt instead of milk in my biscuits and I found that I can hardly tell the difference. Now I don't bother going out of my way to buy a carton of milk to satisfy a spontaneous craving for cobbler or a warm biscuit with an egg on a sleepy Saturday morning. Hi, I'm Caroline, Home52 editor and host of the Instagram Reels series, Pass Me the Paint on Home52. And while I have learned a lot about cooking this year and really just dove right into home cooking. Uh, I think the biggest thing that I learned was just to use more butter all the time on everything. Once I decided that I didn't need to be curbing my butter habit and really just leaned into uh, the whole leaving the butter out on the counter and being Irish thing, it makes absolutely everything better. Meat, vegetables, rice, noodles, anything, you name it. Um, butter is just, it's key. Hi, I'm Kaylee calling from New York. Now, I'm allergic to coconut, so I've always avoided curries, Thai dishes, and sauces with a coconut milk base. The problem is that these are some of my husband's favorite foods, and so this past year, I decided to look for a way that we could still have these dishes at home. I tried swapping the coconut milk in the recipe with Greek yogurt, and it honestly tastes so good. I also found out that swapping in Greek yogurt can make the end result more health conscious due to the higher fat content of the coconut. 
It's a total win-win in our household, and I really recommend everyone try this swap. Thanks for listening, and my thanks to Josie Baker, founder of Josie Baker Bread and author of the cookbook Josie Baker Bread, and the Instagram account at Josie Baker Bread, where he shares lots of smart whole grain recipes just like this one. Our show is put together by Coral Lee with support from Emily Hanhan. If you have whole grain secrets to tell me, I would always love to hear from you at genius at foodity2.com. And if you like the Genius Recipe Tapes, do take a sec to rate us, leave us a review, subscribe, or tell your best friend if you haven't already. All of it helps. Talk to you soon.